You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. In a world filled with cigars, craft beer, comics, movies, and video games, only two men are brave enough to search out all things nerdy. It's the Cigar Nerds Podcast! Hey, welcome to Cigar Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Smokin' Joe. I'm Brad Jackson. Here we is again. Time to talk about another Disney Plus Marvel series. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I I don't know. I keep seeing people, um, you know, hating on, do we really need another superhero film? And the fuck we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> I, you know, why is it, you know, just mindless? Why... Why are the superhero films even popular? Folks that just don't, or really haven't given them a chance. They just think that, oh, it's another comic book-esque movie, something I don't care about. But for me, I watch it like that, sort of, to just escape and decompress. Especially after we've, I mean, most theaters have been closed, we've, no live music, no conventions. I need some just mindless entertainment now and then. And speaking of mindless entertainment, what are we smoking this week, Brad? Ah, mindlessly, we're smoking the El Rey de Mundo. Uh, that's the name of the cigar manufacturer and the cigar. <laughs> so, little double whammy there. Uh, this is going to support a Connecticut broadleaf wrapper with a Honduras binder and a Honduras filler. Yeah, and it's got a nice Oscuro uh, Maduro Connecticut broadleaf on it, so it's... Fairly dark and oily, but comes in like a nice white uh, tissue paper wrapping, which is I, kind I of don't new think and unusual. I've ever had the privilege of unwrapping a cigar that was truly in, in gift wrap. <laughs> yeah, and this is uh, that might be a first in cigar <laughs> nerd history. El Rey del Mundo is uh, one of the heritage brands, meaning it's. Was originally like you know one of the early post-Cuban brands. Uh, I think it was like popular in our you know came about in the '80s and kind of shut down uh, around the 2000s, and now they are are back with uh, this little guy here. And I mean, so it's far, not a bad know. smoke. I mean, the the thing about a lot of these Cuban heritage cigars that I think most people aren't going to be aware of. Is, Cuban cigars are not known to be powerhouse cigars. By and large, most Cubans are, you know, a medium. And this smokes very much like a, a medium-bodied cigar. Um, little airy on the draw. And, you know, just a, a very simple, relaxing experience. And I, I think, to me, that's what makes Cuban, you know, esque branded cigars. Well it's kinda like how things were back previous like lighter cigars were the, I guess, thing in fashion back in the day. Now it's all about, you know, big ring gauges and, and shoving some Lajero in there and strengthening you know what you know when I first started smoking what was like considered a strong cigar is now kind of a medium because the 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 top of the strength gauge has raised so much over the years that what was once strong is uh, or powerful is no longer considered uh you know that that big a deal or maybe it was maybe it just wasn't branded as heavily 
That's what I, think. I, remember I, I don't know, because a lot of those cigars, like, and I, I think I probably know the one you're going to allude to, the Rocky Patel Edge. And I can remember smoking the Edge, and, you know, to me, it smoked like a medium cigar. But yeah, like, the branding of it was only a real man, you know, <laughs> can smoke this. And, and back in the day, that was kind of, on average of everything else, kind of strong. But now, like I said, things like Diablo and all, a bunch of the punch and, like, CAO flatheads, it's like the 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 scale for strong has, has definitely gone up. So I don't even think the, the new edge boxes have that, you know, the old marketing of like, you know, smoke warning, smoke while sitting down. This is going to kick your ass. Cause like, yeah, it's like on average now that's kind of like the medium, <laughs> medium of the spectrum. But did those cigars ever kick anyone's ass or was this brilliance and branding and marketing? Probably brilliance and branding. Cause when I saw them, I'm like, fuck you. Don't tell me what to do. Yes. I'm going to smoke this just cause you warned me. <laughs> it didn't kick me on my ass, but yeah. I'm a big boy, uh, but yeah, it's like it could be the you know, the market. I'm like, you know, what you say? I can't smoke it. Fuck you! I'm gonna smoke this. <laughs> I'm gonna I, show you I'm a man. That's that's right. And they're you, like, hey, thanks for your money. <laughs> you show that man how much of a man you are, Joe. <laughs> I'm a man, man, man. <laughs> oh, and if you're gonna have to fight international. Flag smashers. I mean, we didn't even tell people what we were podcasting about. Oh, oh yeah, we did say another Disney Plus series, but we haven't <laughs> actually. We're talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, you know, which yeah, we'll get more deep into it uh, once we uh, start the main segment. But kind of a more of a return to traditional Marvel filmmaking. It's not as weird and uh, conceptual as as Wanda uh, Vision was. No, but at the same time, I don't think there was a level of powerfulness and just raw action, you know, um, multiple takeaways from this series, you know, that I thought were highly fitting for a lot of the political climate as of today, but obviously... You know, we're several years after the blip, so what do we do once people start to reemerge? <laughs> uh, and if you have to flight, fight flag smashers, you should call in the Strike Force. Strikeforceenergy.com. Use your promo code CIGARNERDS for 20% off your order. You don't have to be a super soldier, but it will give you a little extra strength. Our power, our weakness, caffeine. Yeah, caffeine, good, strong. Make you flip a... Uh, <laughs> flip shields and whatnot <laughs> and with that we'll be right back are you ready oh. is you ready ready you say you ready oh. whole squad ready ready is you ready oh. are you ready ready is you ready whole squad oh. ready we came here to see jeff what you got oh. no 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 not on my watch no way bring what you got i'm going to the top hey. you can bring what you got i'm going to the top Are you ready? You know what time it is, right? They don't want us to make it, so it's time to take it. 
Rhyme with them killers, the time to see who be real. I load it, empty the clip on them, make sure these people feel it. I'm shooting like Reggie Miller. Don't move, or I'ma hit you. Pop a pound, told the told you, I call it Thriller Manila. Stop on the beat, no motion picture. Hit you from distance. We came out the trenches with the stitches. God is my witness. And I gotta get that first shot out before that bullet hit me. I ain't gotta worry about looking back with my squad with me. And welcome back, America. And power brokers everywhere. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, we are here with the uh, the second of the Marvel. You know, it's one thing, too. Is all, this is one of those long time coming ones because Disney Plus is like, hey, guys, we're going to come out. We're going to have all this Marvel content. And then it's like, yeah, in a couple years when we finish filming this and the COVID shit. So, yeah, it's one of those things like I've been waiting since day one of Disney Plus, but yeah, luckily I got some Mandalorian stuff in there to keep me entertained until, uh, the new, the new, new arrives. Yeah. I gotta say, um, it was refreshing seeing something, you know, superhero related, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and you know, like to take place, you know, in modern Marvel times, you know, I mean, Endgame, we really didn't, you know, it's like, where do we go from here? What happens? And, you know, like, I'm really digging, you know, these series so far that kind of just goes into how the world has coped and, you know, how it's progressing. Yeah, because, I mean, we didn't really get a whole, we got a, kind of a touch on it in WandaVision. Yeah, but, but we really the... only got it from her perspective, you know, what yeah. in impacted her not really i mean you know we got we kind of got to see you know monica's uh returning from uh from the blip but yeah and you know even the the only other movie that actually came out in theaters after endgame which was you know spider-man far from home couldn't really get into like the darkness i guess of the world dealing with post blip and all of a sudden you know the population of the earth doubling <laughs> Uh, when you know when they had five years to kind of reset to a new normal, whereas these, you know, this one in particular, you know, kind of gave a look like, hey, here's how the world is dealing six months after you know everyone returned and the the f freaking uh, problems that caused. Yeah, but I don't know. You know, I thought this did a really good job going into. Not only, you know, average folks' struggles, but then the political struggles and, you know, how governments are handling. Yeah, because when, and, you know, they get into it in the show, like when the half the world disappeared, you know, borders kind of came down because people were like, hey, we, we don't care about immigration or anything because we are shorthanded on people. There's also plenty of rooms, plenty of houses. So these people from maybe struggling countries moved into all these different places. And then when the world come back and the previously powerful people that had been in charge before are back and in charge, you're like, oh, no, no, we need to go back to the way we are. And also all these people, you know, our citizens that, you know, are now back, we need to make room for them. So all you people that have been living here and helping us out, y'all need to get the fuck out now. And they're trying to like, you know force these displaced people into, you know, camps and stuff that, you know, they don't really have kind of a home to return to in some cases. And, you know, you know, the world took care of them. And then once the world came back, they're like, Oh no, y'all can 
you know, fuck off now. How quickly we are soon to forget. <laughs> yeah. It's like they super worried about helping the people that returned and was like, fuck the people that was here for the last five years. <laughs> Y'all are no longer important. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like just the idea of relocation camps and everything, um, you know, sounds very, uh, world war two ish. Yeah. And it's like, Marvel does a good job in some cases of making villains that don't appear to be villains. And when you first meet the quote unquote villains of this story, the flag smashers, you know, they're a group that wants to go back to the way it was during the blip with like no borders, like one world, one people. But, and then you see them like Robin hood and shit. They're stealing medical supplies and food and places where, corrupt government officials are running these relocation camps and hoarding supplies instead of giving them to the people, you know, free, like hey, these guys aren't so bad. Like, why are we like trying to like crack down on them? And then, you know, they start blowing up buildings and kind of becoming terrorists. <laughs> so it's like, guys, you're, <laughs> yeah, there's a very fine you line had a point between... to begin with. And then you just got more and more crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's always that fine line between nuisanced, yes, I'm breaking the law, but I'm trying to help a disadvantaged people, versus, alright, now I'm here to just make a political statement and reform and very much end up, you know, at the level of terrorism. Yeah, turning to violence to support your cause and, and i i almost wonder like can you know any cause that you know begins with breaking the law and stuff like can it actually survive can it continue without progressing to that level of you know well now you know all of a sudden the petty things we were doing is no longer making enough of an impact. Things aren't changing. So now we've got to change our tactics. And how quickly does it, you know, evolve into, oh, well, now we really got to start making impactful statements. Like, I, I think V for Vendetta, you know, did a really good job of, you know, some of that. And, you know, obviously our Flag Smashers here, you know, um, just really makes you stop and think. You know, it's like, oh, I'm I'm for protecting the climate, or I'm for doing this. Like, you know, at some point, does forming a human chain progress to, well, now we need to start blowing up the things that are destroying, you know, the climate. Yeah, because, you know, first, uh, probably one or two episodes, you're like, yeah, why are these people even being pursued? They're kind of right. <laughs> and then, you know, they blow up a warehouse and kill some innocent people. Like, you know, violence is the only thing people's going to understand. And it's like, okay, you lost me there, homie. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And even like her own, like Carly, who, uh, who is the leader of the Flag Smashers, even her own crew is starting to be like, yeah, this has gone too far. <laughs> well, I mean, I, but they're still like, you know, they're still loyal to her, but yeah, they're, are they, they're not I as mean, I, uh, I, I, st stoked about her. Uh... <laughs> are they loyal or are they afraid? Well, technically, they're all super soldiers. <laughs> uh, but anyway, let's back up. You know, for one thing, um, 
Falcon, who is now, you know, at the end of Endgame, Cap gave him the shield and was like, you should be the new Captain America. But he's like, didn't, he's like, didn't feel worthy of Steve's uh, position and return the shield to the government and was like, Hey, I put this in the, put this in the freaking Captain America museum. Like I, I'm just the Falcon. And so he, but he's doing missions for the air force, tracking these, these, uh, flag smashers and the and other bad guys. And when, you know, they kind of get turned on to the, the flag smashers and him and, you know, X winter soldier buggy. He finds out that they're, they're super soldiers. Someone has recreated the Captain America formula and given these people super strength <laughs> or at least enhanced strength. Yes. Yeah. I didn't see him by pulling, you know, you it's kind of crazy cars or anything, but like all this super stuff, it's all about being strong, fast, everything. What about super smart? <laughs> like check out the big brain on that person. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, that's one thing too, because like in the when they announced John Walker, the new Captain America, he's just a dude. He doesn't have like the super soldier serum, but they're like, we need a we um, need a mascot. Yeah, pretty much. And, you know, yeah, and, and unfortunately, like I don't know for some reason, I had that dude kind of pegged. I'm like, this guy's a douchebag. Now, <laughs> very much, it could have just been that's not fucking Steve Rogers. <laughs> yeah, you know. Who the fuck are you, homie? Um, but part of it, too, was, you know, I, I branding this the shield, and, I mean, it gets alluded to and, you know, seen much later into, um, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier, but, uh, you know, there's a certain moral compass and a morality code that has to be upheld. Yeah, because even when... Uh... You know, it's not just, hey, I'm here to kick ass and take names and uh, peace out, you know. Um, we can't take the usual Marvel route and be like, ah, we got the bad guy, but we did billions in collateral damage. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they've kind of uh, learned that lesson from uh, <laughs> destroying Sokovia. And, yeah, and like I said, later on, uh, Baron Zemo shows up, and he even says, like, the like problem when you know, these people get powers is they may originally be fighting against like supremacy, but by definition, they themselves are supreme. And that starts them down a path to, you know, being like, all right, now I have power. I should be in charge no matter how, you know, good they started off. He said, with the exception of Steve Rogers, but not everyone is a Steve Rogers. (laughs) Exactly. And I, I think too, like, that also paves a way for, you know, every mascot super is you just, you know, basically gave your opposition that much more incentive to be that much more over the top or to, you know, one up. It creates a never ending, you know, power struggle. <laughs> and, you know. John Walker, played by Wyatt Russell, who is uh, actually uh, Kurt Russell's son. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he's like a legit badass dude. He's supposed to, he's supposed to got like three uh, freaking Medal of Honors and, and shit like that, but he's still just a dude. And then, like, the power goes to he's like He's like, I've seen lots of memes going like, you know, the guy that has to say he's Captain America all the time's not really Captain America. 
Yes. When Steve, when he was like, hi, I'm Steve Rogers. You know, he's like, <laughs> never like, hi, I'm Captain America. And, you know, it is just the arrogance of him kind of leads to his uh, downfall. But at the same time, you got to think of the, the fucking stress he's under having to like live up to being like, I need to be Captain America. I'm the hero of the, of the you know, United States, but I'm not as strong as Steve Rogers. I don't have the super soldier serum. I'm just a dude. Yeah. But I mean, even without the serum, you know, you still have the ability to lead and to influence. It's not about faster than a locomotive, you know, uh, blah, blah, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I, I think it's more so about leadership and, you know, right off the bat, like, you know, you, you definitely see the struggles with the PTSD. You can just tell that they're trying to groom him. Essentially, hey, he's weaker and more easily influenced than Steve Rogers. So this is a way that we can basically have a control over said Captain America. Yeah, because like, in, you know, we can we can pull all the political puppet strings with this yeah, guy. He's, he's going to be basically our fucking thug and do what we want him to do. Whereas the other Captain America is like, when people tell you to to move, you say, no, you move. And, like, you know, he stood up for what was right. He didn't give a fuck what, you know, government or Tony or whoever else tried to convince him otherwise. He's like, no, this is this is the, yeah. the moral path. Unfortunately, he just didn't have those leadership qualities. I think with those leadership qualities, you know, very well could have been. But like I said, you know, he's just, at this point, just a guy in a suit and not much more. And I think the series did really good of, you know, establishing that fact. You know, and that really kind of paved the way for, you know... Basically, going back to, you had an opportunity to pick up the shield and to take the shield, and you've let this opportunity pass, and you know, now somebody, you know, less worthy is well. I mean, not even worthy, but just you know, like, just the optics of it comes a lot of power, and I think that you know that power can absolutely be used very recklessly because all it's there for is to manipulate the masses that just see the suit and, you know, can't critically think and figure out between the lines what's really happening. Yeah, it's like... It was almost like, you know, you, you, we had the the uh, build-up of uh, Carly going from freedom fighter to just terrorist. terrorist. You, you pretty much had the same with... Uh, with John, he starts off like just, you know, happy to be here. I want to work with uh, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I want to be part of the team. And then you he kind of descended into madness and arrogance. Well, I mean, I think he figured out like where he's like, you know, do you know who the fuck I am? You know, and you just got, you know, turned into, you know, where we're Cap and even Falcon like, you know, fighting was a last resort. He was like, "No, nah, I'm here to kick ass for America." <laughs> I mean, which is all fine in games, but, you know, I mean, I'm sorry. You know, I think at some point there's always something bigger and badder that's, you know, really going to humble that ass. (laughs) Oh, yeah, he gets humbled good later on when the the, uh, Wakandans show up and, like, (laughs) kick the shit out of him. And he has that moment where he's like, dude, they weren't even super soldiers, and I just got beat down. (laughs) You know... You kind of see how he ends up making that uh, mistake with the 
with the serum later on. But, you know, we spoke about, you know, PTSD. I, I loved Bucky's storyline from the beginning of this, because you've never seen... And that's one thing, before I even get into that, the these Marvel series is... I like them because, you know, if this had been a hour and a half movie... You would have never got any of that backstory or the character yeah, development. By or... turning this into, like, six-hour or 50-minute episodes... There's a lot more time to flesh out those stories. And, you know, with WandaVision, there's really no action until... There's more kind of psychological until, like, the final episode. Where this one, they started it with a freaking Aquin sequence. It's like, hey, we're, we're, we're back to, like, you know, fast-paced Marvel action. You know, just stick with us, guys. I mean, I mean, then the rest of that episode was, like, talking. But they literally, like, gave you a good 15 minutes of action up front... And then you're like, all right, cool. We're gonna slow it down, tell a little more personal story for the rest of this. But here's your here's your adrenaline fix of of Falcon like fighting motherfuckers midair, which was pretty badass. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I just want to figure out how does one go about getting a red wing. I want a red wing. <laughs> Got a little laser? You could light your cigars for you. I I mean, dude, I can just you know Got a little it, minigun and rockets and shit. It's like freaking red wing's pretty sweet, <laughs> dude. Red wing is a badass. <laughs> And I, I like his, because we definitely got more of, that's the thing, Falcon and uh, Bucky Barnes, Winter Soldiers, we've never gotten to follow them for a long time. And I, I love what they did with his fighting style. When he goes into the plane and starts fighting the terrorists, and he's like incorporating the wings into like martial arts moves and shit. He's not just like, you know, flying around shooting stuff. I mean, it's like. It's to the point where the wings are almost like an extension of his body where he's like, you know, Kung Fu and shit with his wings. <laughs> it was, I was like, that looks pretty fucking cool. Yeah, no, I thought that was definitely awesome. And of course they got, uh, what are, uh, George St. Pierre, the UFC fighter, is Bastrop the Leaper. <laughs> Which is the weirdest super French superhero or villain in the Marvel Universe. Like, in the comics, he's a guy that can jump really high. <laughs> I'm Batrop the Leaper. <laughs> He's going to do a superhero landing. <laughs> uh, and of course, yeah, they did have a couple superhero landings in this. It's uh, except when Bucky tried it. <laughs> Bucky, uh, I, I don't know. I think that's one thing I really like about his character. One, you know, the the backstory and the, the horrible shit and the progression to, you know, the person he is today. But then, too, like... You know, he's not a Captain America or a Tony no. Stark or anything else. It's like, you know, he he's probably one of the more grounded of the superheroes because, you know, it's like legit, like... He's fucking tired. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, I, I, I love the person because he's supposed to be from the, you know, World War II 40s era. You know, he's is Cap was Cap was always hopeful, but Bucky is like that disgruntled, like grumpy old man that's like everything is shit. shit. The world is shit. Yes, like. he's very much you're like you know grandpa, but in like a thirty something, forty something year old dude's body. <laughs> he just just the way he acts, he's like ah, fuck. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, just, just just a guy who's been through the shit and is like I'm I'm tired of this shit. <laughs> Get too old for the shit rigs. <laughs> yeah. Here, 
You pick up that shield. I'm gonna go take a fucking nap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that hot girl at the sushi place starts hitting on him, and she's like, "How old are you?" And he's like, "105." <laughs> she's like, oh, "That's funny." And he's like, "Oh yeah, it's real fucking funny." <laughs> uh, and uh. He's like a secret nerd too. I like uh, with uh, Cap, the new Cap. But I don't know. I started talking about his PTSD. Yeah, his storyline of you see him having nightmares about all the things he did when he was not in control, when he was the Winter Soldier, and you see his apartment. You know, he's like sleeping on the floor because he's like, you know, I think Cap talked about that in the first and like Cap America and the Winter Soldier, where it's like, you know, you go to war and you get used to like sleeping on the ground and shit, and you come home and like shit's too soft and. You got Bucky having nightmares, sleeping in the on the floor, and you know he got for saving the world in Endgame. He got pardoned for all his crimes, but he has like court mandated uh, uh, therapy, and he's just like, yeah, struggling with. The, and, and his best friend is this old uh, Japanese dude that he killed his son, and he can't bring dude. himself to like mark him off his list of making amends. But he still befriends. Everybody the guy. needs a Miyagi. <laughs> yeah. And that dude was cool too. When you first see him, he's like trying to start a fight with some hipster guy in an alley. He's like, "Come on, man! Like, calm down." <laughs> the guy's, "Hi, my name's uh, Unique. It's like Monique, but with a U." And he's like, "Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm gonna take Grandpa here. We're gonna get some sushi." Yeah, fuck your man bun. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. But yeah, when they get, I'll never to... get to be hipster. I just realized it dawned on me. I can never have a man bun. <laughs> You even get, if even if I tried to grow one, you can go Joe Dirt and just get the wig. That doesn't count. <laughs> that that would be like you know a poser hipster at that point. Like <laughs> that's like extra bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm probably gonna have to drink patchouli then. I can't just bathe in it. Oh, uh, but yeah, when when the new Captain America is announced and uh, Bucky goes to like confront Sam, but hey, why'd you the fucking shield away? And he's like, dude, I ain't got time for this. I'm going to go uh, fight these terrorists. He's like, well, fine, I'm going to come with you so we can keep having this argument. <laughs> and they become genuine friends by the end of it. But just the first few episodes of like the the buddy cop <laughs> adventures of Falcon and the Winter Soldier are hilarious. I, I, I love the interaction between those two of like, you know, we're partners, but we don't have to like each other. <laughs> It's like, you know, it's it's like, ah, you know, every 80s action movie with uh, more than one lead. Yeah, I, you know, I thought it was, everybody, I think, you know, was given a very rounded, you know, time, you know, like, yeah. I mean, obviously with a name like, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier, you would think that, hey, these are going to be the, but, you know, there was a lot, you know, that. A lot of the supporting characters and protagonists and stuff got yeah, just was... as much, you know, screen time and backstory and everything, which, to your point, I think is why this worked so well as a series versus trying to cram everything in a two-hour movie. Yeah, I mean, giving it six hours, definitely a lot able to flesh. Like I said, you, Walker got a good fleshing out. The villains got good screen time, you know. And I mean, even some of the, you know, non, you know, superhero shit with, you know, him dealing with trying to, you know, support Save the family, the family business, yeah. and, you know, like, shit, 
I mean, we even got, you know, a couple of best episodes of Boat Restoration, you know? <laughs> I mean... This old boat on the decks. <laughs> oh. But, I mean, I think that was good because it, you know, definitely showed, you know, Bucky and, you know, like, just their dynamic, you know, was much more than just, hey, we're not two guys in suits. Like, we're, you know, legit friends, partners, like, trying to help each other out, you know? Yeah, like, he's like, you know, t- you know toward the end, he's like, you know, that Carly's not going to back down. He's like, all right, I'm going to go do some some stuff I need to do, but call me whenever you need me. And he's like, yeah, because we're not, we're not a team. No, no, we don't work that you know, We're just a couple dudes, yeah, who... We're not even friends, but we had a mutual friend, but he's gone, so we're just a couple dudes who, like, work together. Yeah, co-workers, yeah. <laughs> but that, that Which first, is usually uh, some best friend type shit. Yeah. That first, like, mission, where they're on the plane, and they're just, like, he's just, like, angry, at least, and he's like, let's go take that shield. No, dude, I'm not just going to act for the shield. Like, he's like, all right, well, I'm here. I'm going to back you up. What's your plan? And he just jumps out the plan. All right, so we got no plan. He's like, all right, kid, where's the, you know, the fucking new, uh, <laughs> the new guy who's, like, you know, Falcon's tech dude. He's like, all right, where's the parachute? Uh, we don't have any parachutes. Too low. He's like, fuck it, I don't need it anyway. He jumps out the plane like, like you know, just fucking eats it. <laughs> yeah, it's like Avengers. You see, like you know, when Cap ju- or, might have been the first uh, Winter Soldier movie where Cap jump- jumps out of the uh, the jet. And they're like, did he have a parachute? And they're like, nope. So he, you think you're like, yeah, I'm just gonna do the hero superhero. Like, no, he hits like every tree and like crashes, <laughs> and then freaking. Red Wing flies over and Bucky's like, dude, I got all that on tape. It was amazing. <laughs> it's like, he's just like the grumpy old man at the start. You know, when, you know, they, they go into the warehouse. He's like, look at you, man. You spent a couple months in Wakanda and now you're all stealthy as shit. <laughs> he's like, what are you, the black or the white panther? He's like, it's the white wolf, actually. <laughs> it's like, What? <laughs> I need to go to Wakanda. <laughs> oh, but yeah, that uh, that initial fight on the tops of the semis when they're trying to take out the flagship ship, and new Captain America shows up, and he's like, "Hi guys, I'm Captain America. I want to join the team." And they're like, "Fuck off, dude. <laughs> <laughs> we don't even have a team. <laughs> like these spots are earned, not you know just given." Yeah, you're not an Avenger yet, motherfucker. <laughs> You're not even a West Coast Avenger. <laughs> Do you think he ever gets to Avenger status? No, I think he's going to... I think they've... Because later on they have, once he gets... Because he eventually gets some hold of some super serious... Super soldier serum and beats a dude to death in front of the in front of an, an audience and gets stripped of the title and meets this shady lady, uh, Countess Val, who represents but, I mean, someone. Then again, like... I, I, I don't know. You know, right now, I get it. Right now, it's just kind of Earth's problem, right? Yeah. Well, I, I am assuming Fury is still somewhere up in, in working with sword in space, or uh, looking down upon us uh, and being like, "Well, the." I mean, because dude, Val. Who I mean, I don't Val. know at this point that he's done anything worse than. What the fucking Winter Soldier did? No, I mean, he had a moment, his partner was murdered, and he lost his shit. And unfortunately, he had the strength to beat a motherfucker to death. But then he 
he got his own kind of redemption where he comes, you know, after the government fires him, strips him of his title, all that, he builds his own shield and comes back and tries to help Bucky and Falcon in the final, final fight for vengeance sake. He wants to kill Carly, but then he gets that moment where they push an armored car off a bridge and he's like, got to make the choice of pursue her, or save these people. And he tosses the shield and does the right thing. And, and actually saves the, the people in the, in the truck. So it's like, all right, you know, he's got kind of, but at the same time, like he's, you said, he's, he's, he's learning. <laughs> he has, you know, obviously fallen under the, uh, the, the prowess of the one they call Val. Um, who's, not clear who she represents, but I mean, she's walking through the halls of government like she belongs there. Well, I, I know think, in like, the comic book, she was kind of more of a, I a just shadier think Nick Fury. I think she, I pin her as she's basically a smuggler who, given the moment and whatever's the most rewarding, is the side that, you know, she's going to pander to. So, you know, if it's in her interest to help. The heroes, she's going to help. But at the same time, if a terrorist organization says, hey, we'll double her offer, she's going to go and help the terrorists. Like, I think she just plays by her rules. Um, yeah, other that, either that or I see her as, like, a dark version of, of Nick Fury, where she's all about doing good, but she doesn't give a fuck if, like, how you do good. Like, you know, if it's more expedient to kill all these terrorists, let's do that. I mean, she's like... I want to do the good, but I have no moral compass of how we get that good done. <laughs> so we go to the billions of dollars of collateral damage, and there's no real change in... Uh... <laughs> yeah, cause she names him U.S. Agent at the end, where in the comic books there was a another hero team, I think called the Thunderbolts, which was almost like Marvel's version of Suicide Squad, where it was a group of heroes that were ex-villains. You know, or, you know, you know, they were a little more shady. Uh, or even um, there was a series in the comic books, uh, The Dark Avengers, where uh you know some some bad guys took over uh you know the, the they became good guys but they were all they replaced the avengers with like all former villains and shit so he was like one of the new captain americas cuz so yeah i, so I, we're I could just see gonna have a bunch of fucking deadpools running around yeah so i could see like a dark avengers or a thunderbolts series down the, down the road but yeah you know, yeah at this point he's he dipped his toe in villain status but he's not uh, <laughs> by the end of it you're like all right, maybe he's like, you know, has potential to be a good guy. We don't, we don't know yet. We're gonna see what kind of influence this well, I shady think, Val lady is. Uh, yeah, on him. I mean, I, I and I think that's the reason why you know he could never actually be Captain America is, you know, he's too hard up on the the social aspect and not enough of the leadership aspect. And you know, in Cap. I mean, they're both veterans, but Cap was from, you know, World War II, a more, I guess, seemingly moral society, where this is the, a guy who's been, instead of fighting Nazis, he's been fighting freaking terrorists in Afghanistan and shit, and, and the you know, lines between good and bad are <laughs> a little more more gray, and I guess, like, modern warfare. Well, I mean, I, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, at least from you know, what he it, says, he's like, you know, hell, some of the things we've I done mean, in I Afghanistan, it's, it's, you know, it's, you know, right or wrongs, you know, you know, we've done stuff we were told were right, but didn't really feel that right. He's like, being I mean, the Captain America is the first thing that feels right to me. And, 
you know, I think that's always the the struggle, you know? I mean, terrorism at its root, you know, basically is just an ideology or a manipulation. And unfortunately, that comes in all ages, shapes, sizes, races, and everything else if you buy into that ideology. You know, I mean, yeah. like, you know, if, if you're in Afghanistan, you know, and a fucking kid's, you know, unloading at you with an eight. Yeah, you, you don't want to kill a kid, but, you know, it's either kill or be killed at that point. Like, I yeah, mean, even Carly absolutely, says, uh, you know, I could see that fucking somebody up. When she calls Sam's sister to, like, give a message, she's like, you're one of those terrorists. She's like, or a revolutionary, depending on which side of this you're on. So it's like, you know, there's... <laughs> You know, like, the bad guys don't think they're bad guys. But speaking of bad, you know, we've talked about good guys turning bad. What about bad guys turning good? Baron freaking Zemo in this. You know, we haven't seen him since the Winter Soldier. Genuinely liked his, like, character in this. <laughs> I mean, when they break him out of prison, he's like, you know, he's like, hey, no hard feelings. Like, I did what I did because I, I can't let super soldiers be. And he's like, but, you know. I had no ill will against you. You know, you were a, a means to my ends. You know, I'm I, I sorry that I took advantage of your winter soldier programming. And then like, you keep thinking he's going to try to escape or betray them at the first moment. And he keeps saving their ass. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's another one of those guys that, you know, he did bad shit, but you know, originally he was a Sokovian special forces guy. And he just kind of wanted blame the Avengers for, uh, you know, uh, city getting dropped on his family but you know to him he's like oh no like i you know the world doesn't need more super soldiers so i'm i'm all in with you guys if you're gonna go take down these like flag smasher guys because i don't want more of you motherfuckers around <laughs> and I, I love how like just arrogant like he they're like he's like all right i got a guy i know who we can talk to they go into like that he's like what is this a chop shop and he's like no these are all my cars like it's like, I'm rich as shit, dude. <laughs> These are my collections. I've been hunting fucking Hydra for years and shit. I'm rich, bitch. And they go to get on the jet. And he's like, you really are rich. He's like, dude, I was a, I was Sokovian royalty before you destroyed my country. <laughs> I'm a baron. <laughs> and when they're on the play, that whole like, you know, it's like a, the third wheel in the buddy cop drama. And he's like, steals like Bucky's book. And he's like, you know, sees that he's checking people off. And, they start, and he's like, you know, how did you not like uh, Marvin Gaye? He's like, yeah, his, you know. You know, music like uh, you know aptly described the the struggle of uh, African Americans. He's like, and, and Sam's like, he's out of line, but he's right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just yeah, it's like, and when they go to uh, Madripoor, which is like, seen it in comics, seen it in cartoons. It's cool that they actually brought it to real life. It's like a zone for crime. It's like everything is legal here if you got enough money it's like a it was like a pirate like a red sanctuary. Light district, <laughs> yeah you know but when they run into uh agent carter who's now like uh because she got branded a a traitor when she helped uh captain and uh falcon steal back the shield is existing as some kind of shady uh art dealer in madripoor but they go to that party and freaking zemo's just like freaking dancing and partying <laughs> They're all having this good time. He's like, I may have tried to kill you all, but this is a good time. I like hanging out with you guys. <laughs> but, but when he shoots the guy who reinvented the uh, super soldier serum and then disappears, you're like, oh, here's the point where he 
is going to escape. Just kind of fall off the wagon. Yeah, and they're all pinned down, and he shows up, you know, kicks, you know, saves their ass, and then shows up in a freaking, you know, hot rod Plymouth to, like, save them. (laughs) He's like, I found a new car for the collection. (laughs) So it's like, you know, he has, like, every opportunity to betray them or just escape, but he, he keeps you know, standing along. Even when like Walker shows up and tries to like, it's like, it's like not, he's like, I'm ordering y'all to turn him over. And he's like, Falcon has the best line. He's just like, let me be clear. The only thing you're running up in here is your mouth. And he's been more help than you fuckers. So y'all can piss off. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I was, uh, I, I don't know. Like you said, this did a really good job of, you know, blurring all lines where you get to see, you know the the good and evil in everybody, um, except for Falcon, because he really didn't seem all that evil. I mean, you know, at some point it was just like you know you were waiting on him to make the tough call and be like, "Look, you know, the shit isn't gonna end unless you make you know." Yeah, and he he kind of maintains that uh, pure of heart status that makes him worthy of Cap's legacy. And speaking of legacies, they also introduced, because uh, this whole thing is like, you know, he doesn't want to be Cap America because he's like, I'm not, you know, white dude. But, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not, not blonde the, hair, I'm, blue eyed, you know? You know and, I mean, let's be frank. I mean, the, the series was frank about it. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that you and I can never relate to or really get into because... We've never had to deal with it is, you know, as two white guys, like we'll never understand the, the struggles and a lot of, you know, the really like in your face and, you know, abrupt truth of what it's like, you know, being a black man in America. And even like, like, you know, Bucky at the, he's like, Hey man, I'm sorry. When me and when Steve told me his plan, neither one of us thought about what it meant for a black man to carry the shield, you know, we put, you know, kind of, we thought, you know, you would be stoked about this. You know, we never considered, you know, the, the implications of this and, you know, and they go visit, uh, was Isaiah, uh, was it Johnson or Jackson, but he was a, someone in the fifties tried to recreate the serum and, uh, experimented on some, on some soldiers and like, didn't even tell them what they were experimenting very much like the, Tuskegee experiments and, and stuff like that. And, you know, um, you know, he was like the, the black Captain America back in the day. And then, you know, when he went against the government, cause they were wanting to just, uh, kill, uh, the, uh, people that they had experimented on. You know, he, he saved them. He ended up getting imprisoned for 30 years and experimented on by the government and by Hydra that, uh, was, you know, at that point, you know, linked up in the government and yeah, and so he's very you know bitter and angry about you know his experiences as well. Yeah, and I I don't know, man. Like I just you know that shit was deep, but the way they presented it and everything, like you know, I mean, it was raw and it was in your face, and you know, like I had to stop and you know really think about it, and I'm like, that's one of the things that I really like about having. Just another action, you know, Marvel series is there's a lot of shit embedded in this that's 
not just, you know, guys in tight suits running around and, you know, doing fancy karate moves and shit. And the name was Isaiah Bradley, played by Carl uh, Lumbly. And he's, you know, very much that other side of, you know, Sam's conscience where he's like, you know, Bucky's like, you know, you should be the new Captain America and whatever doesn't matter. And him's like, you know, that shield's like, you know, it's the, almost the like country curse. doesn't rep, you know, represent me anymore. And, uh, you know, you shouldn't you know do what the, the government tells you and that balance that. But then I like when see, like, I'm not a big rage against the machine fan, but that's a. Uh... That's when we needed some, like, rage against the machine in here. It's like, fuck you, I won't do what they tell me. And, you know, like... Oh. <laughs> uh, and I like, like, after New Cap goes crazy and kills the dude, there's kind of like a, a pause in the action because they get... Falcon's wings gets destroyed and, and the government tells him to stand down and he's like, well, we don't really have a lead now anyway. I'm going to go back and try to figure out how to help my family and comes up with this whole plan of, like, hey, my parents helped the entire community... It's time for us to call in all those favors they earned. and Yeah, but even before then, like, I, I, you know, having the statue of, you know, Falcon and everything else, like, you know, he goes to the lenders, and it's like, you know who I am, you know, and, and it's like, nobody's willing to help him, you know? Yeah, like, he's, he's like, being an Avenger isn't like a employment, like, like, how do y'all get paid, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And that too, they're like, "Hey, we suddenly went, you know, population doubled. There's not, and there's a lot of people needing help that been haven't been around. Yeah, you know, there's not enough money to go around. So, you know, sorry, we're you're not a good enough investment. But when like the town comes together and they start rebuilding the ship, and Bucky shows up to help him, it's like the first where you know, he's deciding to be Captain America. Also, you see that kind of change where Bucky's actually happy for once. He's like smiling and shit well he's just you know helping out a dude well, working I'm, on a boat and flirting yeah, with his sister <laughs> I, I i think the sister might have had a lot to do with that happiness i mean just between you and i like but when he ends up like you know he's like well i, got, I, should, I guess i should go home tomorrow i'm gonna go get a hotel he's like dude just fucking come stay here hang out and he, don't hit on my sister yeah <laughs> but you see him like not sleeping on the floor he, he like wakes up on a couch and is like smiling didn't like you know wake up sweaty from a nightmare. It's like, he, you know, it's like the first morning he's woken up, like life is good. I'm chilling in the bayou, like watching some kids play in the yard. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is pretty I like sweet. it where like the kids are like trying to stealthily, like, you know, like there's a fucking superhero here. <laughs> see all the toys and gadgets before he wakes up and is like, catches them out of the corner of his eye. Like, don't touch that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I'm like, like, there's a pipe burst on the uh, on the boat, and Sam's over there trying to you know figure out how to hook. He's like, "No, no, I got this, man. You got to you got to go the other way with the wrench and and tighten it down." Every he's like, "Why didn't you just use the robot arm?" Actually, I I don't always think about that first. I'm right-handed. <laughs> he's like, "You didn't need the wrench. You could have just grabbed that and twisted that." But <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, I just I'm right-handed. I forget." But, I, mean, I forget. Then the, again, I think the, that's a you know an awesome quality. Is yes, you you know have this super you know strong. Let me use my strong arm. But, you know, um, at the same time, it's, this is a tool, not a crutch. And, you know, the fact that you're still trying to do stuff every day, you know, without that being your primary go-to, like, I, I think that speaks volumes to the type of characters that we're dealing with. 
You know, because it'd be real easy to be like, oh, well, I could just use my superpowers to do whatever. And it's like, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm going to try to integrate. I'm going to try to be a, a normal individual when I'm not doing superhero shit. Yeah, because for the first half of the, where you see him, like, in New York and stuff at home, he's always covering up his ability. You know, he's, he's wearing that long sleeve coat and wearing gloves and shit and, like, not showing anybody the arm. But when he gets down there with, like, the community and, and everyone helping out, he's like, you know, T-shirt, you know, arm robot arm out and about you know, he's finally like comfortable being himself in front of people. And instead of trying to like, Oh, I don't want anyone to know I'm the freaking winter soldier that, you know, was doing bad shit. I don't know. Just a very good redeeming story. I don't know. Like, that's what I like to think about. You know, people are like, man, why don't you move to the city and blah, blah, blah. The city <laughs> life's so great. And it's like, you don't have that community aspect, yeah. you know? And, and I mean, even then, like, there's not really small communities like that that you see really come together, you know, just for the sake of coming together. You know, most of the time it's, well, we'll come together after some sort of a natural disaster or something, but then a year or two later it's like, yeah, what the fuck ever, you know. <laughs> Everybody's back to doing their own thing. And speaking of good turning bad, we haven't talked about Agent Carter, uh, her former agent Carter. Uh, <laughs> yeah, her her time of being, you know, here during the... She wasn't one of the ones that got blipped out of existence, and so she was stuck here and on the run, and she went down the dark side path. You know, there's this shadowy entity called the Power Broker who actually runs all the crime in Madripoor, and turns out it's her <laughs> yeah i thought that was kind of a uh a bit of a revelation it's like that's not really what you want to think of when you think of agent carter yeah so yeah so she's gone you know at the same time she's still she helps falcon and bucky Sam, but like... is it to help for her own yeah power? like you know like... she's she she originally helps them and then she shows up in the final battle to help them but at the same time, it's like, does she actually still care about them? Or is it, as we find out, the Flag Smashers got their serum from stealing it from the Power Broker. And, you know, eight of them took the serum and there was still, like, you know, another 12 vials that they could uh, could sell or use or whatever. So it's like, she's pretending to be their friend and uh, getting a pardon out of it. But in reality, she's like, I just want my serum back. And if I can't get my serum back, I need to eliminate these people that know I'm the power broker <laughs> to keep her secret evil identity a secret. And then, you know, final episode, she does get her pardon and we get that post credit scene of like, you know, yeah, call her on the phone. Hey, I'm back in the government, you know, it's uh, like, it's like, can't get your super soldier serum anymore, but I can sell the shit out of some secrets and some weapons. So we're back in business. <laughs> so yeah, I was going to see, you know, see how far down the, you know, is she going to end up being redeemable or if she's just gone too far down on the, the dark side and going to be like a villain if we get a season two of this shit? Or, you know, somehow is she going to be the person that... Because I still want to think she's redeemable. But maybe, I mean, seems like she might be in some shady shit 
The other chick's in some shady shit. Maybe. They become the you, new best buddies. <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm kind of thinking maybe Carter is able to use that situation, set up some kind of arms deal or something, and take down, you know, maybe whoever the, the original bad is. Or Still- it could be just great misdirection, and the chick that we're thinking is probably evil right now that seems to be manipulating, really, you know, is just misdirection, and Carter's the big bad. Yeah, or, you know, just if we get more more of this series, I mean, does she continue to try to do good while also lining her pockets, or does she go full, full fucking bad guy at some point? I don't know. And do we get like... another cool uh, Madripoor dance party? One of the little hidden Easter eggs, though, they walk by a bar in Madripoor called, like, I think the Princess Bar or something like that. I can't remember the... It was hard to read time, but that, in the comics, is Wolverine's favorite bar. <laughs> so it's like, it's like tease the eventual uh, bringing the X-Men into the Marvel Universe. <laughs> They're like, there's Wolverine's bar in the background. <laughs> they should have gone in there and had Logan in there smoking a cigar. But at this point... Is it Wolverine, or is it Old Man Logan? I mean, well, the the Marvel Universe is like a whole new, whatever, timeline and everything else, so they can pretty much, when they decide to introduce the X-Men at whatever point, they can pretty much make them whoever they, <laughs> whatever age they want them at that point. Because none of the, the previous Fox shit uh, has any effect on the current uh, universe. Oh, but, I gotta say, as a... Long-time Dragon Con fan. Uh, there's, especially watching it through the second time, yeah, there's so much like recognizable Atlanta landmarks that are supposed to be New York. I mean, the whole uh, GRDC headquarters and shit is basically the Hilton. <laughs> I'm like, there's like, you know, all these like futuristic buildings. I'm like, dude, that's the Hilton. That's the back of the Marriott. That alley they're walking down is like, you know, between oh, Marriott and Peachtree Center. <laughs> Peachtree Center. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, this ain't New York. Like, I, I recognize all these buildings. Because most of it was filmed here in Atlanta, except for uh, some of the stuff they filmed. I think it was, I can't remember, somewhere over in in Europe for the for the uh, Latvia, Sokovia stuff. I mean, hell, one part of the Flag Smashers are hang, hanging out in, like, a ruined building that's, like, pretty sure is in Roswell, <laughs> near the old mill. I don't know. Like, I'd love to just do one of those trips and be like, why is this area roped off? Why is there all these production crews? What's going on? Like, well, it's like some somebody posted a picture. Uh, they went into a Starbucks down there near the Marriott, and apparently uh, Sebastian Stan came in for some coffee, still in his Winter, winter Soldier outfit. <laughs> posted a picture of him. Uh, he's like, I've been waiting to post this picture for like, yeah, freaking a year or two. <laughs> It'll be like, Dude, nice metal arm. Great cosplay. Where'd you get it? <laughs> yeah. Marvel Studios. <laughs> yeah, especially because this was like high to COVID, everybody wearing a mask, so it's just like, hey, it's the wrong time of year for Dragon Con, man. <laughs> Sweet cosplay. You going to a party? <laughs> no, I am the Winter Soldier. <laughs> oh, shit. Like, I, I don't know. For me, like, I always feel like folks like that would just be surrounded by entourages and stuff like that. Like, you never actually get to see them but then again like i mean realistically 
for all accounts, I see apparently Sebastian Stan's a good dude. Like, I'm, of all the Hollywood people, I've never heard like anybody say anything bad about him. <laughs> I don't know. Just and all sure. you fuckers are filming here. Why the hell aren't you all at Dragon Con? Like, I mean, come on. <laughs> You're already here most of the time. Just come on down, hang out, be on the Cigar Nerds podcast. I'd be game for that. It says one of my. It's one of my bucket lists is be called a motherfucker by Samuel Jackson. So Nick Fury, next time in your town, hook me up. Come on the show. Come on the show. We'll buy you a cigar. You can call me a motherfucker. Maybe maybe at the same time you need to uh, talk to Elon Musk, and you're gonna have to go. You know, out of the atmosphere. <laughs> Get a ride up there to the yeah. the fucking sword space base. It's like, I just want to see Nick Fury, man. That's all I'm after. Uh, and like all the action sequences in this series were fucking legit i mean they did a good job of like i said you know i liked wandavision but you know if you were a fan of like the traditional superhero action you didn't get a whole lot of that until like the final episode where this was like every episode even though they a lot of it was i guess more emotional and 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 whatnot every episode you got some kind of action sequence to just to to satisfy that, are you are are you watch the last episode and it's one hundred percent action? <laughs> yeah. Are, okay, ninety eight percent. And when the uh, I love it when the uh, the was it the Dara I can't pronounce it the the Wakandan special forces girls show up to like take Zemo back and Walker's like hi I'm Captain America and they're like we do not care and you know Falcon's trying to was like bro. Don't want to mess with him. the 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 daughter Maji uh, or or and she he's like y'all don't have jurisdiction here and like we have jurisdiction wherever we find ourselves and then he's like oh come on. you know goes to touch your shoulder and like nope the fight's on and just beats the fuck out of all of them <laughs> and I was like Bucky you should do something looking good Walker <laughs> he's like yeah finally when they when they when they go to kill him he steps in he's like no no like I'm finally y'all beating beating his ass but y'all can't kill him. <laughs> we may want him dead, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, they them showing up was bad. And yeah, at the end too, he goes and recaptures uh, uh, Zemo and turns him over to them, and they're like, "We're gonna take him to the raft." But uh, and he's like, "Hey, I know you're kind of pissed off at me, but I could use one more favor. Can you call in some of that sweet, sweet Wakanda tech and?" Make Falcon some new uh, new wings, and he gets his whole super badass Captain America Falcon outfit that uh, looks like straight out of you know his Captain America outfit from the from the comics. I mean, it was like legit. <laughs> and those, apparently, his strings are they're not going to get ripped off by a Super Soldier this time. I mean, he like took a hit from a helicopter with those things. So yeah, don't fuck with the <laughs> Wakandan tech. Yeah, dude. I I don't know, man. Some of that shit was uh. Kind of making me question, you know, was was Tony a great of a uh, inventor as uh, a? <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, you Siri know. or whatever Shuri, Siri, whatever her name is, is like, yeah, she's. I mean, even like I said, when you see, if you notice in uh, Infinity War, like Tony had upgraded his shit from like Black Panther stuff, because like you see in the Black Panther movie, the nanotech suit and the. Wakandan uh, energy shields and stuff. And the next thing you see Iron Man, Iron Man has turned his suit like nanotech. And instead of like an actual shield, he's got the, the freaking force field shield. And it's like, 
Oh yeah, you you've been like, oh shit, let me get some of this Black Panther tech. <laughs> I mean, dude, the you know Stark Industries and you know some Wakandan Industries like Starconda. They're <laughs> <laughs> gonna make some cool shit. <laughs> so as we kind of wrap this up here, any uh, favorite moments from uh, from this season that we've not uh, dropped yet? Any final I, thoughts on this here, El Rey del Mundo? So the uh, the cigar, what I would expect out of you know something trying to go back to the Cuban heritage, you know, a um, little bit, little sweet, um, a hint of spice. Um, for me, medium. Uh, I mean, just all around, it's a, it's a good cigar. Um, nothing that I would like absolutely go on and rant and say, hey, you absolutely have to try this. I will say that it was extremely, you know, budget-friendly. Um, I mean, so... It's not... Uh, this is a good backyard cigar. This is a good sitting around the grill, working in the yard, doing something while smoking. It's not something that, I, that I'm like, oh, this is so awesome, I need to sit down and give it my full attention with a nice glass of whiskey. But this right here, for good price point, and it's got a good enough flavor to keep me interested. You know, this is like I said, one of those that, you know, you can smoke while you're cutting grass or <laughs> grilling steaks or whatnot. It's a, it's a decent, I'm doing something cigar. Absolutely. Um, kind of favorite moments. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I thought it was kind of interesting. The scene where, you know, the, the hostages are captured and the armored vehicles and, you know, you see them trying to drive them off the edge of that broken building. And, you know, most Hollywood films, that scene would have been over in, like, seconds. And this one drug out for, like, minutes. <laughs> um, yeah, you get... And I, I thought it was kind of cool seeing, you know, some of his upgrades, you know, where he puts the two, you know, miniature red wings, and it's like... This fucking armored vehicle's heavy as shit. Like, <laughs> I need some jet power, you know? And, you know, just... I mean, to me, I thought it was kind of cool. You know, it was it was interesting seeing, you know, the moral compass of what I would consider a Captain America, but also, too, incorporating a lot of, you know, like, Iron Man-type capabilities. I mean, he kind of bridged the gap between both worlds, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, that scene, too, because you got kind of Walker's redemption of him deciding to save the truck instead of take vengeance. And then when the truck gets knocked off anyway, and Falcon swoops in and, and saves it. And then, you know, Walker, that's the first time Walker seeing him as Captain America. And he just kind of gives him a nod, like, all right, I, I see the hero you are now. Like, I'm not going to, you know. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to fight you for the shield. I, thanks for yeah, keeping this uh, ego in check. Yeah, you're you know you are Captain America, and then you know Carter ends up killing uh, uh, Carly, and when you know Falcon comes in, you know with the with the uh, GRDC thing, you know he he's like, hey, I'm you know I'm Captain America now, and it's just me, no super soldier serum, and then he's like, but y'all, you know. Y'all the government, y'all can do better. Y'all should do better. And 
literally talks them into pretty much doing what the Flag Smashers have been trying to do with well, violence. I mean, I convin- that... you know, convinces them to like, no, you have a responsibility to do what's right. And you know, that's very much that Steve Rogers, Captain America, like qualities of, of, of him stepping up and being Dude, that a, was just a fucking a awesome speech, yeah. you know, like that's something that like, I'm like, man, some shit like that is what needs to be played in front of the Senate on a daily basis. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and not only that, he goes back and, and, and sees Isaiah and he's like, Hey, I got something to show you. And he, and, you know, he, his story was covered up and, you know, he, included him in the Captain America museum and like told his story and like, let people know the, the sacrifices he had made for the country that you was kind of covered up and erased and whatnot. You know? So he's like, yeah, it's like Falcon is legit. The Captain America. now. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And with that, we're going to wrap this up and be right back with some science. Even a well-lit place can hide salvation. some science yeah science and science rules (laughs) yeah there are there are some rules to science laws of physics and whatnot laws were meant to be broken (laughs) uh well we are one step closer to some kind of mars base or moon base uh so scientists uh, are exploring hawaii to uh, simulate life on mars Huh. I, for some reason, I kind of draw stark differences. I mean, I guess lava's red, and I think of lava when I think of Hawaii. Like, I always envision Hawaii is just constantly like has volcanoes erupting. I'm sure that's <laughs> not the case at all. But well, there are uh, lava tubes uh, throughout Hawaii where you know lava rivers f- once f- uh, flowed and created these caves, and you know going to some place like Mars, uh, they want to be able to explore these caves to study the geological history. And also these caves would be a safe place to possibly build habitats on, uh, on the red planet. So, so great. Uh, so we have to use all the advanced technologies to get to Mars. But once we're there, we live like cavemen. <laughs> great. Space cavemen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are basically trying to develop, uh, you know, new, better designed spacesuits and tech in general that they can move, th- you know, help move through these rugged structures uh, with as much ease as possible. So scientists are now testing these, you know, new spacesuits in like you know 
these rocky uh, caves uh, in Hawaii to try to find the best design uh, for future space bases. Uh, they are working on uh, the island of Manalao, which is on or the area of Manalao, which is on Hawaii's Big Island, and uh, they've created uh, you know an area to simulate the rocky environments of the moon and Mars, and uh, you know people are living in these habitats for days, months, and even you know planned year-long missions simulating what it might be like to you know be separated from humanity and live on Mars, or they can just watch The Martian uh, on cable and pretend to be uh, Matt Damon. <laughs> the name of this uh, base is called High Seas, uh, the Hawaii Space Exploration Analog and Simulation. Huh. I like the name. I just don't know about, uh... I don't know. Like, where lava once flowed, there, to <laughs> me, is always the potential that lava could still flow there. Like, like I love how like we mark something dormant, and then it's like, eh. Or extinct. And then magically it's like, oh shit, it's doing stuff. Like, we thought it was dead. It is absolutely not dead. Like, I, I, I think that old, uh, when we did our disaster movie series and we talked about the movie from the 90s, Volcano. Like, that's what I imagine. Like, just out of the blue, something's going to magically appear and just start erupting and fuck our world up. <laughs> Yeah, and apparently this is not the only place they're doing this type of research. While the Hawaiian-based is mainly focused on, uh, you know, EVA activities and the lava tubes, there's other bases kind of doing testing in other simulated environments. Uh, there is uh, the Euro Moon Mars Project Explorations, which includes high seas, but also has locations in Iceland, Chile's Atkama Desert, and even in the Utah Desert. And we've even got some uh, results from the, we spoke about it uh, on a previous episode about a, where they put a bunch of people in a cave and with no kind of outside uh, communications or not, e not even being able to like tell what time it is. And one of the kind of things that they've, you know, early reporting on is people in this, whatever, long uh, isolation were experiencing earth flashes, which is almost like hallucinations where they said they had like very brief sensations that they were somewhere else on Earth, like a street corner or in the middle of a busy city. Well, I almost <laughs> wonder if it's like, you know, people getting trapped in the desert and they talk about mirages and stuff. Like, just over that horizon is a beautiful waterfall. Oh, it's just more sand. <laughs> well, it's like they say, you know, in extreme isolation that, you know, uh, you know, when your brain doesn't really have any kind of input, it'll start just making up its own shit just to... <laughs> I guess keep itself uh, See, I, entertained. I feel like studies like that, like, unless, like, you separated the sexes, just be a lot of unexpected pregnancies. <laughs> like, I'm bored. Yeah. Might as well fuck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, And another thing that makes us closer to a trip to Mars, uh, preservance, 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 whatever the last uh, Mars rover was called, uh, just made breathable oxygen on Mars. For the first time. Whoa. Yep, like it's, a uh, virgin. It's been on the red planet for 60 uh, Mars days, I guess. They call them souls. Uh, I guess that's, you know, whatever. Lun or Mars Yeah, days. because, you know, secretly there's a portal to hell and soul eaters <laughs> are going to start emerging from it. So uh, that's only fitting. 
But on uh, April 20th, uh, the uh, Mars Oxygen in Situ Resource Utilization Experiment, a.k.a. MOXIE, converted carbon dioxide into 5.4 grams of oxygen. It says it's about 10 minutes of breathable oxygen. It's the first time they've been able to do this on the red planet. And he said, you know, kind of what they, you know, it's to travel, you know, having to bring oxygen to Mars from Earth is way expensive and would take a lot of resources. So they're trying to develop ways that we can produce oxygen in place, not only for, you know, people breathing uh, once we start basing there, but also oxygen is a uh, big component in rocket fuel. So if they don't have to bring a round trip's worth of gas to the uh, <laughs> the Mars, uh, they can, you know, bring more equipment and whatnot, or, you know, use Mars eventually as a refueling hey, station. Hey, we can now to... get to Mars on half a tank instead of a full tank. <laughs> or, you know, be able to eventually use... Uh, Mars is kind of a, a launching pad to further deep space uh, exploration. So I'm going to build their first gas station on Mars. <laughs> yeah, it, it would take seven tons of rocket fuel and 25 tons of oxygen to lift four astronauts off of the Martian surface. So, yeah, they're, you know. Holy shit, that's just to lift off? Yeah. <laughs> Damn. So yeah, this so the, hopefully this will make you know commuting back and forth to Mars uh, much easier because you know basically now that they've kind so of when they develop new rocket engines, they're like how many feet you know per gallons do we get with this? <laughs> like, <laughs> like how do you measure rocket fuel? Is it feet per gallon or like yeah, I don't know? Is it still miles per gallon? <laughs> Who knows? Uh, Dude, if it takes that much just to like lift off, yeah, it's it's you. Know, that's a lot of fuel. But basically, now that they've kind of proven this small scale, which is like about a toaster-sized machine, actually can produce oxygen, now they can kind of scale it up to something much larger that would produce oxygen in a much you know more usable amounts. And as long as we're talking about uh, space stuff, the first wooden satellite is uh, scheduled to uh, be launched soon. By the end of the year, the what is Woodsat? <laughs> Why? Basically, it's an uh, experiment by a Finnish company that uh, uh, partnered with a producer of plywood uh, to basically they're expand experimenting with alternative uh, construction materials for space uh <laughs> space stuff don't worry it's all wood so if it comes back to earth it'll just you know break up and rot <laughs> yes yeah, so it's a partnership with arctic astronauts upm plywood and hooled uh have announced they'll be launching the world's first ever wooden satellite into orbit and a further to understand just how uh durable plywood can be oh boy <laughs> We got a plywood door over our cave house. <laughs> Put screen doors on the space station. <laughs> I mean, I just... In my head, I always feel like space is a very volatile place. And, like, the first time, you know, a satellite gets creamed by, you know, something in space, like, I, I feel like it was just, you know, kind of like... 
Oh shit. Wooden satellite was a bad idea because, uh, you know, it's just not as durable as, you know, something made of a hard, or, you know, lightweight metal or something. <laughs> but then again, too, like, I'm like, man, aren't some of our metals and stuff, like, lighter and... Yeah, it seems like just a weird experiment. <laughs> but I, I, I feel like with the cost of lumber and plywood currently, this is not doing us any favors. <laughs> yeah, this is not going to save us any money. Uh, yeah, it's built off a kind of a popular nano, uh, nano satellite kit called the Kit Set, which is just a 10 centimeter cube uh, uh, satellite. You know, use you know, built with plywood with a special. Centimeters? Yeah. So it's like it's a wee bastard. It's not a like big big satellite, and basically it's just going to have a sensor suite and some cameras to watch and to see how. Why isn't that just three D printed? Uh, this how durable the uh, special coatings they're going to put on these plywood to see if it uh, survives in space, and it'll even have its own space age selfie stick to take photos of itself as it burns up, <laughs> or gets you know picked up by aliens. And you know since we're talking about Mortal Kombat. Uh, a mystery of of found feet has has finally been solved. The fuck? Apparently, if you've not heard of this, uh, starting in about 2007, uh, there's been shoes with human feet still inside them washing up on Canadian and North American shores. <laughs> Approximately 21 feet has uh, washed up still in their shoes. Uh, well, I guess that's why between we, you 2007 know, and 2019. You know, I'd be like, eh. <laughs> How deep's the water? I don't know, a foot. No, I mean literally, a, a foot right there. <laughs> yes, the uh, uh, feet, you know, the first two were found in 2007. His jaws regurgitating. <laughs> <laughs> they were both size 12 shoes and uh, had feet that were decomposing but still had feet in them, according to Vancouver Island Regional Coroner. Well, what they've... You know the the coroners and everything that's been investigating since they finally come up with the determination of that this is not some crazy serial killer in Canada, but it's a kind of a due to changes in the manufacturing of shoes. So anytime someone dies either by suicide or accident at sea, their body sinks, of course, and then fish start eating the flesh, but or crabs, whatever, but. They don't start with. They tend to start start with the softer parts of the body, like the ankle joints. And when they chew through those ankles, why like when you stand still on the lake, like you feel a little, you know, minnows coming up. Like yeah, are, that or anywhere there's a scab. I'll be yeah. like, motherfucker, that's my scab. <laughs> that's the soft part. So the reason why this kind of only started in 2007 is that's when basically air uh, pockets in shoes became popular and more lightweight foam used in the soles of shoes. So this has probably been happening for decades, but most of the time when people's feet get chewed off, the feet just stay there at the bottom of the ocean. Where now these Nike air max sevens that have like a big air cushion in the heel float. (laughs) So when that became popular in, in shoe culture, that's when feet started floating to the surface and washing up on shores. That's interesting. I don't know. But I guess at some point, like, I mean, in order for that to 
happened. Some something's got to be. I guess maybe the bone is deteriorating too, or something. Or well, yeah, I mean that's know, a very like thin part of the body too, and not a whole lot of flesh over there. So I guess as soon as they chew through tendons and and the connecting flesh, eventually that ankle joint's just gonna pop off. It's my ankle. I want it. <laughs> and also the foot being inside the shoe kind of. I guess protects so it, it from I some guess, you know, decomposition. I guess people are going to start to get mortified. So, you know, they've already got, like, the work shoes that have steel toes. I guess, like, even your sneakers are going to start having steel toes, you know, just to make sure that they're, you know... <laughs> Keep the shoes from floating up on yeah, the beaches. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the same time, I feel like this could be dangerous, you know? I mean, if you're not already drowned or something, I mean, you know, if your feet are trying to float above your head and, you know, just... I don't know. It could be bad. It's like a reverse life preserver. It's like, well, my feet have oxygen, but the you know thing that attaches to my head, uh, lungs and whatnot, no longer do. I don't know. That's. Hmm. But that's all I got for you this week. Stay tuned for something else. Time to grab your pillow and join the Geek Father in Little Bit for discussions on current nostalgic and speculative happenings in pop culture. Nerd news, fandom histories, deep dive discussions, reviews, and more. It's like listening to your closest friends have a nerdy conversation. So sit back, relax, and let the Blurred Nerds podcast embrace you with their warm, goofy goodness. It's nerd goals for your ear holes, right here on the ESO Network. And now it's time for all things nerdy in Nerd Welcome to Nerd News. Yeah, news. This rendition of news, we're going to talk about having a sweet tooth, the Wrath of Man. A little bit about zombies. Not the Wrath of Khan. Not the Wrath of Khan. And then, on a lighter note, we'll talk about the Flintstones. Meet the Flintstones. So, uh, let, let's jump into the trailer for Wrath of Man. Uh, Jason Statham, you know, uh, some... Back with Guy Ritchie. With Guy Ritchie. Um, looks like it's going to be a legit badass uh, action film. Um, yeah, that's that's the thing. That, like, I mean, with it, uh, this whole like theater shutdown, we've not had what I would consider a good badass action film in freaking over a year. I mean, we've had some like you know Netflix entries into that category, but nothing like just straight up like action film that I would, uh, that, that he's like, yeah, haven't seen Jason Statham kicking motherfuckers in a while. Well, it looks like, um, I don't know how many motherfuckers he's kicking, but he's definitely doing some shooting. The other <laughs> thing I noticed with movie trailers too, like, I guess now it's the trend to just make your reloads and your gunshots in sync with whatever music you're using <laughs> yes. in the background. Cause like all trailers are now cool music videos. I mean, we saw it last week when we talked about, uh, uh, Army of the Dead and uh, whatever, The Gambler, <laughs> which was badass. But now we got the fucking Folsom Prison Blues. Yes. <laughs> you know, um, which... I mean, uh, just put it on a whole nother level. You yeah. know, and, and the way they slow things down and, like, just adds that much more, you know, just like, dramatic yeah. and, you know, I don't know. Like, uh, I... I was kind of blown away by, you know, just, just the Johnny Cash in the background. I'm sure that distracted <laughs> me from the uh, the trailer and the little bit that we got to see. But, um, 
yeah, I'm not, I'm not real sure. You know, obviously, uh, looks like J- uh, Jason Statham's son is killed, and um, he's out for vengeance. Yeah, and he looks like he's some kind of like. Don't get much backstory in the trailer, but he, he's some kind of legit badass. Whether he's mafia or or former military, don't don't know. But yeah, apparently uh, there was a armored car robbery that went bad. His son got killed, so he goes undercover as a security guard to flush out because they're pretty sure it's an inside job and just kills every motherfucker <laughs> from the looks of it. Sometimes motherfuckers just need to die. Uh, so you'll be able to catch this on, uh, I believe this is May 7th for the release date. Um, so that'll be coming out uh, Friday after this uh, episode comes goes up. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering, because it just says in theaters... So I wonder if there'll be a HBO Max or something at some point. Well, pretty much anything that's uh, the, the Warner Brothers is going straight to HBO Max. Everything else is like, they're like, theaters are open. We're going back to theaters. You know, I'm assuming eventually, like, uh, was it Nobody, uh, which I haven't seen yet, but I really want to. It was only released in theaters, but then they had their own. You could buy it online and stream it. For, they, didn't, they were not part of any of the established uh, streaming services, but I think you could go to, like, the movie website and purchase and and stream it straight from there. So a lot of these are, you know, getting to some form of home video faster than, than what is normal. Absolutely. All right. Let's switch gears completely. So, I mean, we just got done talking about, you know, winter soldier, the Falcon, uh, where's Iron Man? You know, what's, What's, what's he been up to since the blip? And, uh, he's been uh, dead. Well, <laughs> apparently not, because he's Robert Downey Jr. is executive producing a movie for DC, <laughs> or based on a DC comic, uh, Sweet it's Tooth. Not one I've ever heard of. The only Sweet Tooth I know of is um, uh, Twisted Metal. <laughs> I, I have a Sweet Tooth from time to time. Honey Buns seem to kind of uh, create, you know. Anything gummy, man. Like I try to give up sugar, but I still fucking eat gummies whenever i find them so yeah this uh follows a um a deer boy i mean this basically you know Is looks he, uh... very magical fantasiful you know elves and you know what i would consider you know um fawns or you know kind of human but have animal-like qualities and stuff um you know, it looks like it might be a coming of age tale. I'm not very familiar with the source material, so <laughs> yeah. Um, I just happened to like, huh? Robert Downey Jr., Susan Downey, huh? I guess I guess they're they're uh, like, well, they killed me off, and you know this this thing. So uh, how about we just make a film? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, he's yeah you know, trying to get back to that you know artsy stuff he used to do and he's like i've been an action guy for too long i need to go back to these these like heartwarming <laughs> tales yeah so uh this will be released on netflix june 4th um it's not really news for me i gotta talk about zombies fuck yeah and you can't talk about zombies without you know a guy by the name of george a romero's the godfather of yes. zombie films the so, original night of the living dead pretty much started all this zombie craze we've we've had well all these years like his final zombie film that was unmade at twilight of the dead is now actually in development 
George still alive or is he passed? I. It's like I don't recall, but no, he's like, he passed away in 2017. I figured because yeah, he's been around for a while, but yeah, I guess it's something he wrote previously that had not been uh, produced yet. Yeah. Um. So, Suzanne Romero. Um. You know, basically has been developing the script with three screenwriters over the past years, and um, you know, is looking to meet with potential directors soon. Um. So, some of the log is the story set in a decimated world. Life has all but disappeared, but there's still maybe hope for humanity. Um, I guess Romero originally wrote this um, with Paleo Zaliti, um, who has asked Suzanne for permission to continue with the script after Romero passed away. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, she signed off that, you know, they're going to try to remain true to George's vision. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I wish it the best. I mean, I always... Got some classic non-fast-moving zombies. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, for a while, even there with the remake of uh, Day of the Dead, like, the rage fast-movers... Uh kind of became all the thing for a while there but i do like some classic slow moving zombies i think i can survive a slow moving zombie apocalypse rage zombies i'm like i don't know because my cardio is shit (laughs) we know that's rule number one of zombie land is cardio and wear a seatbelt. and you're not very good at either (laughs) no that's why i know how to shoot so i don't have to run (laughs) so yeah i guess um you know there were some videos um you know that george um you know, I'd put together for Twilight of the Dead. The screenwriters um, said they've, you know... As long as um, there's no sparkly vampires. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get sparkly <laughs> vampires with Unless this. they're it's... getting eaten by zombies, then I'm cool with that. <laughs> so, I, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe this is a way of passing, you know, the torch. But, you know, with with his, you know... Wife involved with, uh, you know, her kind of closely guarding, you know, and making sure that everything stays true to the way that George wanted it. Um, You know, I I think it'd be kind of, you know, interesting to see, you know, what happens after Land of the Dead. Yeah. And, yeah, I kind of thought the zombie genre was was dying out because, like I said, quit watching Walking Dead and... And, but then well, we my got... problem with The Walking Dead is, you know, you're talking about slow, and I get it. You know, they're trying to drag, you know, seasons out and, you know, keep focus. But, you know, at some point, like, it just, they focus too long on certain things, and it's like... Yeah, I think they're finally wrapping it up. I think they've got one more season left. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I thought it was kind of dying out, and then we got Army of the Dead looks badass a fucking George A. Romero written zombie movie coming out. I'm like, all right, maybe we're getting a zombie renaissance. It'll be cool again. <laughs> yeah. Make zombies great again. Yeah. Um, dead again. Something. I don't know. Um, Brains. And, yeah. And as we wrap up here, something completely off topic, but, uh, you know, going back to our childhood, I'm sure you can remember a little uh, show called The Flintstones. Yabba-dabba-doo! 
Yep, absolutely. Well, um, looks like we're getting a Flintstones animated sequel. <laughs> um, that is set to take place 20 years after the events of the original series. So I guess... Um, His kids will be all grown up and Fred will have, like, grandkids at this point. <laughs> yeah, well, Elizabeth Banks um, is going to star and executive produce, and she will basically be the voice of the adult Pebbles Flintstone. Mm. Um, I guess Fred is on the brink of retirement. Uh, 20-something-year-old Pebbles is embarking on her own career as the Stone Age gives way to a shiny and enlightened new Bronze Age. The residents of Bedrock will find <laughs> evolution harder than a swing from Bam Bam's Club. Interesting. I mean, they're, they're doing a lot with a lot of like our classic childhood cartoon. I mean, they they brought back Ducktales and Spectre Gadget. I think yeah. There's like been like these modern remakes of a lot of animated series. So I guess the whole reboots and remakes thing has has trickled down into the animated world now. Yeah. <laughs> from regular Hollywood. Well, I mean, so this is supposed to be written and co-executive produced by uh, Lindsay Carn. Some folks might know that name from Jurassic World, Camp Cretaceous, um, DC Superhero Girls, and Trolls. The beat goes on. And Trolls made a lot of money, so probably might be might be pretty good. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we shall see. It's it's one of those that's been off the radar for so long that. Might be interesting. Now, does Not this since those '90s live action movies with John Goodman? Uh, yeah, that's like the last time I remember seeing any kind of Flintstones in popular culture. But I'm just wondering, like, maybe with the Flintstones, do we have anything with the Jetsons? You know, I mean, they did have that big crossover. Flintstones yeah, exactly. Meets the Jetsons. You know, I what's mean, what's funny is you look at the Jetsons now, and you're like, we have pretty much all this technology except for the flying cars. Dude, our technology... Video conferencing, our, robots. Our technology is so much more inferior than what they had. Like, there's... I'm Their sorry, the Roomba is no replacement for, for fucking Rosie. Rosie, you know? <laughs> oh. But yes, freaking teleconferencing. <laughs> That's like... Especially in, in, in fucking quarantine times. It's like... Yeah, it's like... I don't remember the last time I had an actual physical meeting with anyone. Yeah, so... I don't know. I mean... I don't know. Uh, you know, there have been several attempts, apparently, to try to resurrect the Flintstones. I guess there was the new Fred and Barney show and the Pebbles and Bam Bam show, and I don't I think either that. It was like, either they were one like of those really took off. Yeah, yeah, they, they were all like short-lived uh, series. Oh, well, if that's all you got, also this episode should come out uh, May fourth, so may the fourth be with you. And if you're a Disney Plus subscriber. There's a new Clone Wars series starting today, uh, The Bad Batch, which we got a little bit of in the final season of The Clone Wars that Disney released. So now they're getting their own series. So if you thought you were done with The Clone Wars, they're back, baby. <laughs> so maybe we'll talk about that shit on a future episode uh, once once that gets out and about and see if it's any good. Uh, with that, check us out on CigarNerdPodcast.com. We're on the ESO at ESONetwork.com. Uh, we're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Cigar Nerd Pod. Get your energy drinks at StrikeForceEnergy.com. Promo code Cigar Nerds for twenty percent off. You also, can pick up some cool shirts at RealMenSmokeCigars.com. And with that, I can do this all day. 
and this has been a recording of the Cigar Nerd Podcast. We're your hosts, Smokin' Joe and Brad Jackson. Join us next time for more adventures in nerddom. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.